Before we take any knees before the Lord, could you just lift your hands and let's just let's just ask Him that that very thing tonight. Lord, set a fire down in my soul, and I believe those fires already set. But Lord, just fan it, just fan that flame, Lord. Right now, we pray. Merciful God, You are worthy. Merciful God, You are mighty. Holy, 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 holy is the everlasting God. Lord, we thank You, Almighty God. And Lord, you set the sacrifice, you set the stage. Lord God, you called for the fire and it came, Lord, and consumed every bit, Lord God, of the sacrifice, the altar, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you tonight, Lord God, for your mercy and grace. I pray, Father, that you, Lord, would begin to infiltrate our hearts, our minds, our souls, our homes. Lord Jesus, we need a revival, Lord God, in our land. We need a moving of the Spirit of the Lord. We need, Lord God, more, Father God, than Lord, is something to tantalize, Lord, our intellect. We need a revelation of the living God. We need to begin to move, Father God, in the might and the power that you have set aside. Lord, Lord, we come against every onslaught of the enemy, every force of darkness that would seek to stop and thwart or control the kingdom of God. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we love you, and we pray, Almighty God, let the atmosphere of heaven just begin to, Father, begin to fall in this place tonight. Let the glory of the Lord God, Lord, begin to fill these tabernacles, Lord, that are gathered here. Lord, we are the city set upon a hill. Lord God, we cannot be hid because the light of God is shining bright, Lord God, within. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you, Lord God. Oh, merciful God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. Hallelujah. Somebody give me my hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. I want you to keep Jessie in your prayers. She went into surgery today. Uh, she had some bars in her in her, her rib cage that they had taken out. And uh, so she's going to be out of commission for a few weeks. And so let's pray. The surgery went very well. Uh, she is actually on her way home. And so, but let's just keep Jesse uh, lifted up in prayer tonight. Father, we just want to thank you and just praise you, Lord God, for your for guiding the hands of the surgeon, Lord God, for letting the surgery be a success. And I just pray, Lord God, for her speedy recovery. I pray for comfort in her body, Lord, peace in her mind. And, Lord, I pray joy in her spirit, Lord. I just ask, God, that you would reach down and touch her tonight. And, Lord, all those that, Father, are struggling in their body, Lord, I just ask, God, that right now that they would begin to feel the touch of your spirit, Lord God, to bring healing. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, tonight. Let's give our worship team some love tonight. Well, you should never do something once that you shouldn't do five or six times. <laughs> we replaced our projectors. Um, this will be our second or third time. So anyway, this one went bad, and so you've seen the settings. We're working on that. So you put something, take one thing out and put another thing right back in its place, and it works picture perfect every single time. So uh, no, we'll, we'll get it all figured out. Yeah, let's just take that off there. So okay. <laughs> 
<clears throat> that's just, if I look up there and see that, it's going to be, I'm annoyed. All right, I want you to take, uh, <laughs> take your Bibles. We're going to go to a couple of places tonight as we continue. You saw there, maybe if you've been here, you knew what that said. Uh, keeping pace in the race. We're discovering how to find spiritual strength. Amen? How many know that God has called you to do something bigger than yourself? Amen. And it requires more than your own effort. It requires more than your own stamina. It requires more than your own strength. We're in partnership with the Holy Spirit. He has designed us such. He has designed us so that when we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can walk on water. Amen. We can do things that we otherwise could not do. And we can only do that, not by strength, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we... We use Jeremiah 12 as our reference, our launching off place there, how that Jeremiah was, the Lord responded to his complaint. He said, if you can't run with the, with the footmen, how are you going to keep up with the horses? <laughs> and we're discovering how to keep up with the horses. So last week we, we talked about the thorn in the flesh in Paul there, that messenger of Satan. I'm going to start there in 2 Corinthians 12. And I just want to, I'm going to launch from there, and then we're going to go over to, um, we're going to go over to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 17. I want to show you some things in there. Father, we just thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your presence. Lord, just thank you, Father, for this house, God, and what you've done and what you continue to do, and the freedom and the liberty that you're bringing to us. And Lord, I just pray tonight that you would just bring the, the, the anointing of your spirit upon us. Not only to deliver, but to receive in Jesus' name. So <clears throat> I want you to look here in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Here, Paul addressing the church at Corinth. And least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger, I want you to pick up on that, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. Least I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me, that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That's what I want us to hear. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, understand that persecution can come in a lot of different forms. Sometimes persecution can come in the form of sickness. But sickness is not, that, per, that form of persecution doesn't mean it's from God. Amen? And so, but persecution can take on a lot of different forms. Now, as we've looked at that passage of Scripture, it's cloaked in a lot of, I would say, a little bit of mystery in that we don't know what that thorn is. We try to prove that scripturally, scripture, defining Scripture last week, but ultimately we don't know what that thorn was. I have a hard time believing that the Lord was putting sickness upon Paul just because it doesn't line up with the other aspects of the character of God. I, I still lean more towards the fact, and it's my opinion, I lean more towards the fact that it is uh, actual messengers that are going and invoking crowds and, and, and bringing persecution. But nonetheless, we don't have the clear definition of what that thorn is. But what we do know 
is that attached to that thorn is a messenger. There's a voice that's coming forth. There's a voice, a messenger that is attached to whatever that thorn is via a person or, or an infirmity or something. It, there's, there's always, a, in, even when there's sickness that comes upon the body, what comes along with that sickness? There's a voice. You know what happens when they cough in the movies? They're done. <laughs> Anytime you watch a movie, it's like they begin to cough, that character is on their way out. <laughs> but see, the enemy will try to step on our stage, and he'll say, okay, that's, just, that's more than what it, what it seems, and it's going to be bad, and, and, and you're not going to make it. There's, there's always that, that messenger that comes along and tries to hinder, and that's the purpose of the messenger. He wants to hinder the work of God. But we saw how that the revelation came to Paul, and in Paul desiring for this weakness, what he saw as weakness, he wanted it to go away. I don't know about you, but I love comfort. Amen? I mean, I think we all do. And we get, dis we get uncomfortable in certain areas uh, of our life, be it physically, emotionally, spiritually. And we just go to God and we say, Lord, make it go away. Make it stop. Make, this, make these voices stop. But see, what the Lord gave Paul was something more powerful than the voices stopping. He gave him the understanding that they don't need to stop for you to have victory. You can stop listening to them. You can stop addressing them. You can stop behaving according to the commands that they're giving you. In fact, uh, it doesn't say here in this passage that God took the thorn away. Nor does it say that God took the messenger away. But what Paul realized is that, wait a minute, wait a minute. In this, uh, this attack against me, whatever that form of attack may be, this attack that I'm calling weakness, uh, God is showing me his strength in this. In fact, uh, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Amen. And so weakness is not our enemy, folks. It's our friend. Because when we are weak, then we are strong in Christ Jesus. And so we're looking at how to gain stamina, and how to run the pace, keep pace in this race, many times we are exhaust, exhausting energies in areas, and it's really just an energy drain. It's just sucking the life out of us. And so we attacked it last week. I'm going to attack it further this week as we continue the thought process of keeping pace in the race as we are not just wanting to run with the footmen, we want to run with the horses. I want to keep pace with the horses. I want to run with, with marathon distance, with chariot speed, just like Elijah did. Amen? I think it's available to the, I don't think, I know it's available by the Spirit of the Lord. So we're doing things beyond our ability. Now let's look here, knowing how to avoid the energy drains. Now let's just jump over. Let's jump to, over to, to 1 Samuel 17. You think, can you find anything else in David and Goliath's story? Yes, you can. That's why I love it so. It's packed with such, so much truth that is in that, that passage of Scripture. If you don't know, it's one of my favorite stories in the Word of God. But we see here, we look at David here in 1 Samuel 17, and we'll look at some verses here in, in just a few moments. But we, which just the backdrop 
just the backdrop of the story. So Israel is camped on one side of a, of a mountainside that leads down, and then the Philistines are camped on the other side. And we were over there a few months ago and picked up some rocks out of that, out of that river, that creek that David picked the rocks out of. And so we got the visual of what that valley looked like and what that hillside looked like. And so you've got the valley, Valley of Sukkoth right there. And then you've got the Philistine army sitting on one side down at the foot. And, and we got the Israelites sitting on the other. And then every morning and every night, and this went on for 40 days, 80 times, 80 times this happened. Or 80 times Goliath would go out there in the morning and the evening and he would offer a challenge to anybody that would come and challenge. So instead of all the whole army, you know, wasting, spilling all this blood, let's just go hand-to-hand combat. You know, bring me your champion. I'm the champion of the Philistines. We'll, we'll, we'll throw down in this valley. Mano a mano. We're just man to man. Sit, bring me a man that, that, will, that will come down into this valley. He did this 79 times without a response. But on the 80th time, <laughs> he got what he was not expecting. <laughs> he not only got a man, he got a man who uh, believed in the covenant keeping God in whom he served. <laughs> and so <laughs> David shows up and he's, he's coming back from the field. See, he's he, part-time uh, harpist and full-time shepherd. So he'll come and he'll play the harp for Saul so that Saul can... You know, get over his get over his issues. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lead you in worship, and you're gonna feel good while you're worshiping. And then when I stop, it's gonna come right back on you. So <laughs> you can help soothe your household, folks, in just worshiping the Lord. So Dave, David's daddy, Jesse, he said, I, I want you to go down to to uh, take these. To take these provisions, and we're going to take these provisions, and I want you to go down there and see how they're doing in the battle. Take some for your brothers, take some for uh, the, the officers. And so my question is, is, as we look at this, how did David get into the valley with the giant? Well, <clears throat> it didn't start that day. See, he was serving his father in his father's field one day, and as he was serving in his father's field... Someone heard him playing that harp. Someone, in fact, it was a servant's girl, servant girl that heard David out there. It must have been anointed because it caught her attention. It must have been the way that he strummed the keys. It must have been the way that he was, he was expressing his love to the Lord. It captured her attention. And so that when this evil spirit came upon Saul, King Saul, there was a servant that said, hey, I know how you can be relieved. Maybe she was going through a troubled time and, and she passed by that field that David was in and all of a sudden she began to feel better because there was an anointing setting upon the worshiper as he was sitting out in the field. So he said, I know somebody. I've seen him out in the field. Bring him here. So he shows up and he's a part-time harpist. But then he's got to go back check on his father's sheep. He's not neglecting his duties. He's going back. Now he's been out in the field serving his father and there's anointing that's resting upon him, not just to worship, but to lead. And 
there comes along a lion and then anointing comes on him and he he that, that lion wanted to take one of the lambs out of the flock that belonged to his father so he grabs it and he kills it then comes along a bear trying to do the same thing. You've got to be anointed. You've got to be able to have something more than just these, uh, these hands and these feet in order to kill a lion and a bear. There was an anointing that rests upon him. Where did he find, where did he exercise that anointing? He exercised it out in the field when nobody else was watching. He could have just looked over and said, oh, bye-bye, little lamb. <laughs> Good to know you, but you're gone now. But instead, he knew that if he didn't take on those predators, they would keep coming back and keep coming back and keep coming back. You've got to take the predators on, and you do that by the power of the Spirit of the Lord. But see, he was in service for his father. He served his, Now he's serving his father again by what they used to call in Scotland, going and getting the messages. First time one of the Scottish individuals asked us if, uh, I asked them where they'd been, they said, well, I was out taking care of my messages. I thought, messages, what, on your cell phone? Did you get a telegram? It, no, it's when you go to the grocery store. <laughs> they call it getting your messages, so taking care of your messages. So, I don't know the reference, never ever ask. But anyway, <laughs> he's out there taking care of business, brings provision to the on behalf of his father. Now, we see here that David was there and he got to hear listening to Goliath when he came out to bring the challenge. And when he heard the challenge, he said, why don't somebody go out there and take care of him? In fact, what would happen to the man and they told him this is what's going to happen to the person who goes and faces down the giant and kills him. He's going to be rich because the king's going to, the king's going to give him a, not just a dowry. He's going to, it says, the word of the Lord says, enrich with great riches. And he will give him his daughter. Here's David, a single shepherd boy. He don't have a lot of prospects. He's like, I'm going to get rich and have a wife too. Okay, I think this might be worth it. But if, to seal the deal, you'll never have another letter. You'll never pay another piece of property tax. You'll never be contacted by the IRS. You won't have to worry about a 1099 or a W-2 because you will be tax exempt. Sign me up. I'm going after the enemy. I was, he just became his own nonprofit and just walked out there and said, Okay, I'm going to take on Goliath. He said, I'm ready. So he started stirring it up. I believe he started up not for wealth and riches and all those things that were included, but he just kept asking, why won't someone step into the fray? Why won't somebody step down there in knowing that we are covenant people and take out this uncircumcised Philistine, this non-covenanted voice that's coming back at me? Did you get that? The non-covenanted voice that continues to lie about our existence and who we are. Why doesn't someone step down into that position and take him on? He got stirred up. I don't know about you, but I think the church of Jesus Christ is going to be stirred up in these last days. And I believe that church 
is going to stop looking at what needs to be done and start becoming the answer to the problem and the difference that they know needs to be done. That it's, we're just getting up because you've done enough. I've heard it 79 times, and I'm tired of hearing it. I don't want to hear it one more time. And so I believe there's going to be an invoking of the enemy to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's going to be a stirring and a prompting of the Holy Spirit for the church to rise up and say, That is enough. Now, I notice our fasting list out there is still blank. So we might not be stirred up altogether. If you don't want your name on the top line, put it on the bottom line. If you don't want to be the first on the very top, put it on the bottom. Just say, I will partner. I will believe. I will fast the week that we're going to have the revival come because we understand it's not just a man up here reciting scriptures. We need the anointing of God to break yokes. So, how did David get in the field? He got stirred up. He got stirred up. Now, when he got stirred up, word got back to Saul. Saul's like, David, what are you doing? You're a little harpist boy. What are you doing? You know, you make us feel good with this, but you don't know nothing about, you don't know nothing about John's. You don't know nothing about, he's been a, you're a youth. You're a youth. In fact, that word in the Hebrew, when they said that, you know, the, the youngest and the least of the sons were still in the field, it means that he was, he was small and insignificant. Just what the Lord is looking for. <laughs> just someone small and insignificant. Someone that, that would just say, oh God, I will trust you and you alone in the circumstance and I will step out here and I will stop listening to the lies and start listening to the truth. See, and so the, the Goliath, whose name means soothsayer, who, whose name uh, who comes from Gath, which means a wine press, and he is, he is a continual provoking liar, and he's the one that's telling you that you can't, you won't, you'll never, but I'm saying to you that God says you can, you will, if you will obey and trust in me. So Saul said, David, David, you can't go out there. And then that's what David told him. He said, well, you know, he's no match for a lion and a bear when the Spirit of God's on you. <laughs> he said, all right. All right. So I got another couple of questions I want to ask you tonight. Why did Saul put, uh, why did, uh, Saul put his armor on David and why did David take it off? Why did, see, he said, I'm going to send you out there in that battle and I'm going to put my armor on you. Now, one, one theory, and I'm just, we're just theorizing right now. One theory is that potentially he was trying to disguise David into looking like Saul. But a little flaw in that design. Well, because, you know, Saul was known in Scripture to be a head taller than everybody else. I guess everybody looks short up against the giant. That's a, that's a plausible answer. We're just, we're just, we're looking for responses in the crowd. No. <laughs> but that, that, that is a possibility. But he's like, okay, 
You go out there and face Goliath. But you're going to put my armor on you first. You're going to put my helmet on you. You're going to put, put your coat on. I'm going to put my sword there. You're going to, you're going to go out. That's one, one possibility. Could he have, could Saul have had any concern for David? Maybe he didn't want to lose his harpist. He thought, this is the only way you battle. You got to go blow for blow, and you've got to go, see, you, you got to get out there in the midst of it, and you got to go fist for fist and take the sword, and because this is the way you battle. Could that be part of his process of thinking? I can't send you out there, David. You know how bad it's going to look for me if I don't, if I don't equip you and put, these, put this armor on you and send you out? You know how bad that's going to look on me? But see, Saul, the challenge was if we defeat your champion, you become our servants. There's a lot on the line. There's a whole lot on the line here. And you're going to send a teenage boy out there? Some believe he could have been as young as 13. Others believe that he, had, he could be as old as 20. But nonetheless, he's not an experienced warrior. He is there. And now you've got to go out to, to battle against a giant. Well, of course you've got to have a sword to do that. Of course you've got to have a helmet. And you've got to have a coat to put on. Was he trying to protect David? To give David the same defensive strength that the enemy had? See, because he's looking through the eyes of the flesh. See, Saul's downfall, he might have been a good moral man. He might have been a, a good person. We can't totally discredit him. He raised a Jonathan. <laughs> Come on. I mean, look at David's kids. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't. So you've got this, you've got this duality of this, this nature of this man, but let me tell you that Saul, you can find his pitfalls in, in chapter 13 and chapter 15. Because in 13, he was told to wait until God showed up, or until Samuel showed up in order to sacrifice. And because of the pressure he was under, because of the intensity of what was going on that day, and he's thinking that it all rises and falls upon him because it's going to be his strength, it's going to be his might, it's going to be his power, he goes ahead and sacrifices. And the moment he does, Samuel shows up. Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing? God's looking for a man after his own heart. You wouldn't wait on me. I think, folks, many times we get ourselves in trouble by not waiting upon God. Amen? Because we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to draw the strength. And then in chapter 15 of 1 Samuel, we find that Saul's flaw again is the fact that he goes in and he's told to kill the Amalekites because they had come against Israel in their parting ways. And instead of killing them out and wiping them out, that that enemy would be destroyed because of the promises of God, they went ahead and held back the good things. We, we, we're going to go ahead and just, instead of obeying the full intent of God, we're just going to surrender almost all the way. It didn't go well. And so from that moment and that encounter with Samuel, he told Saul, he said, I told you to obey. God wanted you to obey. He was looking after a man onto his own heart. He wanted to establish the kingdom in you, but you would not. You First off, you wouldn't wait on God, and now you won't obey God. 
He's wanting to establish his kingdom in Greenville, Texas, at Crossroads Assembly of God. If we will wait upon the Lord, if we will let him be our strength, then God will strengthen us. If we will wait upon God and if we will obey his voice, that he will establish his kingdom here. But if we don't obey his voice, if he will not establish his kingdom here, you cannot have obedience and disobedience in the kingdom of God when God wants to advance his kingdom. Amen? So... We got it here in the, the case where Saul is trying to use his reasoning skills and put those on David. David's like, I can't do this. I can't. Fear and intimidation can't be my motivation. I can't do this. That's what motivated you, Saul. That can't, it's not what can motivate. It, it's not what God has used to motivate those who are in covenant with Him. Does anybody in this in this army do you not do you not see the God we serve, who's a God of covenant, who says He will strengthen us and take down our enemies? So why did David take the armor off? See, David took it off, and I want you to look down. Let's see if I can find my verse here. I want you to look down. Let's look in 38, so you don't think I'm lying here. Verse 38 of 1 Samuel 17. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put on a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword on his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off, took the armor off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in the pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So he took his staff in his hand. Who carries staffs in the, in the Word of God? Moses is one individual, but what is their occupation? They're a shepherd. He was saying to them, this is my identity. I am a shepherd. I'm going to pick up my identity, and I'm going to go out against, just like I went against the lion and the bear. This Goliath, this Philistine is no different. My calling is to be a shepherd. My anointing is to be a shepherd, and a shepherd protects the flock. And so I'm going to walk out there in the field, and I'm going to face the enemy because you are here to steal the lambs of God, and I will not allow. I will walk out there not in my identity. I didn't come in the identity of King Saul. I didn't come with the mindset of King Saul. I didn't come with the mindset, and, and I'm not covering myself with an identity that's not mine. You know how hard it is, church, to be somebody you're not? Come on. See, this is where we expend a lot of our energy and we wonder why we don't have the stamina to complete the task in front of us. It's because we are trying desperately to be someone other than ourselves. Someone other than who God has called us to be. Well, my stuff is not as good as your stuff and my stuff is not as good as your stuff. I can't do things like they do. My stuff seems so minuscule. Good. Let's call it weakness. Now we're strong. Amen? 
Every leadership class you ever go to, and I understand the principles, I understand the concepts, I know what they're trying to say. It, it, it's kind of a reverse thing that what I'm trying to preach tonight, but they're saying always, always focus on your strengths. And the Lord's like, just give me your weakness. Just let me have your weakness. And now we will be strong. See, because with that thorn, with that messenger, with that thorn comes the message, and the messaging is always, a, it's your fault, you're a failure, you'll never make it, you'll never do anything. Don't you know that David, when he took off that armor, he had to stop listening to those voices? And when he took that helmet off, it's like, I can't think like you guys think. I can't look like you guys look. I'm, I, I'm, here's your sword back. I can't draw. I can't go against the enemy with this. I've never tested it. When I took down the lion and the bear, there was a stone, a sling. There was a, there was a, there was a lot of, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe he blocked out on some of the story that he told. There was a raging maniac that came up inside of me, and I just ripped his head off. I don't know. You can imagine however you want to imagine it. But David here, see, he said he, the Bible says he picked up his staff. He says, look, I, I, I can't wield a sword yet, but i tell you what I can do. I can sling a stone. I can, I can do this. And I've often wondered, why do you pick up the five stones? And I've preached it. You've preached it. Everybody's preached it. Goliath had four brothers, and he did. But I don't know that maybe he picked up five stones because he was giving himself a little bit of grace. <laughs> Amen? Amen? I might miss him with the first one. I got back up. Amen? Sometimes you speak the word of God and the enemy just kind of ducks. You got to keep throwing it at him, throwing it at him, throwing it at him until you hit him in the face. So he took the, he took the stones and he put them in his shepherd's bag. That's where he keeps his flute. That's what he would use to play when he was out in the field. And it was also a place where he kept his bread. Let me tell you, when those stones become your, your place of, it comes in company with your worship and with your nourishment, now you can take that word of God. Come on now. Somebody just got it. You take it, that word of God, and it becomes, it, it, it just, you, you accompany that with your worship. And, and, and you stop reading the word, and you start letting the word read you. And now you're, now you're at a place where it's, oh, wait a minute. Now it's, it's nourishment. It's food to my body. It is, it is joy to my soul. It is the truth and the truth of God is not a lie. It's not going to lie to me and tell me what I can't do, what I won't do, what I've never done. It's going to tell you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And without him I can do nothing. Why would I want to do anything without him? See that you got to get to that place and let me just, this is a word for somebody tonight. You need to give yourself a little grace. Come on. You need to give yourself a little grace. If you missed it once, just keep slinging the stones. Amen. He might duck on the first one and maybe on the second one, but if you keep at it, you're going to get more and more. I had a buddy I grew up with. Andrew tells a story about him. His name was James, and he was, had never thrown horseshoes a day in his life, but he's one of those guys that could just do anything in a moment's notice. So I handed him some, some horseshoes, and I said, okay, James, let's play some horseshoes. And we were competing against some other guys, and so he throws one, and it just goes off. And he throws another one, and it, it's just a little closer, but it's still off. It's not in scoring range. Next thing you know, he honed it in on the next throw, ringer, ringer, leaner, ringer, ringer. See, you've got to give yourself some grace, folks. 
where you don't just quit after the first time. You don't just give up and throw in the towel because you offered a, a little kindness and it wasn't, it wasn't returned to you. <laughs> When you, were, when, when you had actually prayed for someone, but there wasn't any alteration in their situation or their demeanor, you just got to keep going at it and going at it and going at it and give yourself some grace to make it. Amen? So, but see, when he took off the armor, he had to stop listening to the persecution. You thought, well, what persecution did he, did he face? Well, you notice in 1 Samuel 17 and 28, he goes and gives his brothers bread, and they start hearing about his question he's answering. Just a simple question. Why won't one of you guys go out there and take his head off? So Eliab, his oldest brother, his response to them was, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride. I know your insolent of heart. And you have come down to see the battle. So first off, he's telling him, you've got no place here. Let me tell you what the devil will always tell you. You don't have a place here. You don't have, he's all, he's, it's not the voice of the Lord telling you that you're marginalized. It's not the voice of the Lord telling you that, that you're not wanted and is pushing you out of the room. That's not the voice of God. You know what the greatest tactic of the enemy is? He takes his work of persecution against you, either physically, emotionally, relationally. And when he does that, he blames God for everything that he has done. It's the greatest persecution that comes against you. It, sickness comes on your body that's not from the Lord, and he immediately begins to tell you that's from God. The God, it, God has put this on you. Folks, let me tell you, you listen to a lie long enough, what do you do? You empower it. Amen? What empowers truth? It's belief. What empowers a lie? It's believing in that lie. And if you hear those lies long enough, you start to believe them. But see, God's giving you the power to stop listening to them. He's giving you the power, and he starts by taking it off by you not being someone you are not supposed to be. Amen? I don't know why we think that what the God is after and what the whole world is after is these stuffy religious fakers. <laughs> these ones that come up and rebuke everybody for what they're doing. Or the ones that are coming and that I will show no fear. I will show no remorse. I will show no, I have, I'm completely untouchable with the pain of this world. Lie. Lie. You lie through your teeth. Everybody in the world has been affected by the world. Amen? We live in the same place. We all put our shoes on the same one foot at a time. If you can put them on at the same time, you probably have the slip-ons and not, not, the, not the laces. But nonetheless, the pants, one leg at a time. You can do it two legs. You can do it. You can try it. Anyway, you hear what I'm saying? See, how much energy are you exhausting in your own life by trying to be what fear tells you you'll never be in your own strength 
See, I've just given you an energy boost right there because you may not need that monster drink in the morning now. Because all of a sudden, wait a minute, God likes me just, just like I am? Yeah. Yeah, God loves you just like you are. And if you need, there's some changes that need to be made, he'll help you make them. Amen? See, he didn't call you to go to that field looking like Saul. He chose you to take it off. Now, the brothers there, those closest to David, they're like, you have no place here. And what did he do? He said, who did you leave those few sheep with? He belittled David's contribution he belittled David's calling and David's purpose. Let me just give you another license. Stop listening to those voices. Amen? I'm not, t- I'm not trying to puff you up to say you're, you're, you're more than you should be. That's not the point of this message. The point is you can do more in Jesus Christ than you ever thought you could do. And God measures your success by your faithfulness in the little things. And if you'll be faithful with the little things, then he will make you ruler over much. If you have a desire to be ruler over much, then let me first off tell you, God's going to kill that part of you out, and he's going to do it by you being faithful in that which is little, wait on the Lord to promote you, and then you will be in the place you need to be. Because if you're always looking for the, for the limelight and the brass ring, you're not really a candidate to be a servant in the kingdom of God because it's not about God, it's about you. Well, see, the enemy comes in and he, how many times have you heard you're not really doing anything? Starts belittling. See that Saul sent, David's like, I, I, I got to take this off. And with that, I'm taking off the voices that come in. And then I see your pride and your insolence. What is he doing? He's insulting his spirituality. (laughs) I thought you were a Christian. How many times have you ever heard that? Oh, my Lord God. And it's always coming from those that are not Christians. (laughs) You know so much about how this thing ought to be lived. Why aren't you living it? (laughs) If you got the corner market on the know-how to get this thing done, then why aren't you doing it? You're not. So shut up. Don't tell him shut up. That's not going to be a good thing. <laughs> so David goes to Saul. Saul sent for him. How did David get in that field? Saul sent for him. Come here, David. And he said, you're not able to go against this Philistine. That's not what... David's mindset was. Nobody else is going to do it. I feel like God's telling me to do it. But you're telling me I can do it. How many times have you been have you heard that voice? You can't do this. You can't be the man. You can't be the woman. You can't be the you you can't do this. I had a dollar for every time that I heard that voice in my own head, I would be a multimillionaire. Why? Because that voice works on a lot of people. And that's all the enemy has is that voice. You, when I started out preaching, man, I wanted to do it right. 
I wanted to be like those eloquent preachers that would get up and you can tell I got over it. But I wanted to be those guys, you know, that get up and just be able just to wordsmith and, 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 and be able to, to, to speak the word with such, you know, such great hermeneutics and homiletics. And, 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 and I'm going to have all the theological points and, and have everything rightly divided and, oh, just, just operate in, that, in, in, in such grandeur of that orthodoxy and just, just be able to express those things. And you know what? The Lord thought about it. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for an authentic expression of who you are so that I can reveal who I am. And I can't reveal who I am if you're always faking it. And if you will learn just to be comfortable in your own skin and discover that your contribution is enough with the, with the power of God, you can step out into that valley with a stick and a stone and a sling and you can face down the biggest giant that's out there because you're not doing it in your strength. You're doing it in the strength of the covenant-keeping God. So quit faking it. Quit faking it. Quit faking who you're not. Quit wearing this mask like you're trying to impress others. Where they're like, something is not right with this picture. Because the inauthentic person has these walls and shields up. No one gets in. And you never get out. And it's based on the lie. It's based on the lie that you cannot be effective if you're weak. See, whatever, whatever Saul was struggling with, it was pointing to a weakness in him. Could have been his former conduct. He was a persecutor of the church. It could have been the fact that he was practicing orthodox Jew, a Pharisee, and now he's a messianic author of the New Testament. You know what I'm saying? He's introducing new doctrine. If you don't stir people up, start messing with their foundational places of erroneous information that they call their theology. You know what I'm saying? When you start messing with people, when they believe that it's my truth. No, it's the truth. <laughs> you can have my truth, and my truth is going to lead you right into a ditch, but the truth will set you free. Amen? The truth will cause you to come into a deeper relationship with God. And what the Lord is wanting is the authentic expression of worship. And for the church of Jesus Christ to stop listening, take off the armor of Saul. Stop trying to be what you are not. And just take comfort in knowing that, look, the less I feel I can do it, the stronger Christ is operating in me. Amen? Let me say to you that defamation, personal defamation, is not the new humility. Stop ripping yourself up. 
stop listening and cowing down and doing these kinds of things and calling this demeanor humility. That's not what humility is. Humility is dependence upon the Holy Spirit to accomplish any and everything in your life. You know what pride is? Pride is believing that you have the strength and you can source this thing yourself. And you may not profess that, but you live it every day when you live by the nature of works. Is any of this coming through? Some of you ought to take a really, really, really deep breath and just say, it's okay to be me. It's okay just to be me. If you're a sorry cuss, you've got to discipline yourself. I understand those things. You've got to practice this. You've got to put into Put into practice the things of God. But understand this. There is yet now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who live not according to the flesh, but by the, the Spirit of God. So, I don't even think it's so much as a really a conscious effort of individuals. I think it's so woven in mystique of the enemy so much a part of the fiber of our daily processing that we don't recognize it that's why we can have meetings like this so that the lord can shine the light and kind of expose it because when you're walking in that place of constant continual struggle Never feeling like you measure up, never feeling like you have enough, feeling like all the faults and failures in your life are are are, are direct result of your past, your abilities, your performance. That's not God. See, it's when we lose our life that we find Him. So David was a man that. Saul, he, he's got all these voices, I'm sure. Saul told him, you can't do this. His brother's like, you're no, you're no covenant keeper. You, what are you doing here? You got no place in this, in this army? He's like, I'm just going to put this down, and I'm just going to go out there with God. And the Bible says he's... There's three men in that field, that, that valley that day. Never tells us what happened to the armor bearer. Did Goliath fall on him and kill him? I don't know. Did he take off running? Who knows? We just know he's out there. He's witnessing. David steps out there in that field. Goliath belches his stuff at him. I don't know, in that moment, something must have come over David. Because he didn't stand still. He took off running. He took off chasing that dog out of his yard. See, he knew that if he went blow for blow with Goliath, he held no chance. But he said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. You come with your strength. I come to you in the name of Almighty God. 
I'm standing out here completely vulnerable. You got all your armor on. You got a coat that weighs more than I do. You got a spearhead that weighs uh, uh, 40 pounds, I believe it was. You've got all of this stuff. You've got a sword that can slice through people at a distance and a javelin you could throw and a spear that you could punch through them. That's all you got. And I'm standing out here not in my strength. I'm completely vulnerable. Oh, everybody, see, I'm the runt of the litter. I'm the youngest of the family. As David is saying there, I'm not. He is. He's standing out there in the field, and he's the littlest one. Wasn't even called in when they got ready to pour out the anointing. He was the one left out there, the insignificant one that no one quite considered. He's the one that gets up and walks out. He's like, I've got all this. The king doesn't think I can do this. My brothers don't think I can do this. But God Almighty can do this because I believe in the covenant. I believe that when God said it, he will do it. And he said we will chase our enemies. (laughs) Maybe he ran because he was confirming the covenant. And when he understood that he was running in covenant, Maybe he would have just picked up that one rock and not the five. But he gave himself a little grace. Amen? Amen. See, I hope this gives you a sigh of relief tonight. That maybe you're at the workplace and you're under such scrutiny and stress because you feel like you're not performing. And if you have a lack of performance, you need to ask God to help you. Or maybe you're at a, in a relationship, and in that relationship, you don't feel worthy of that partner you're with. And so you're always looking for that partner to elevate you so that you can feel what you need to feel. So you're asking someone to be what, to be God to you, because only God can make you feel that way. Does this make sense? So when you find yourselves in those places, you got to say, it's okay. It's okay that I'm weak. It's okay that I've suffered loss. It's okay that not everything went the way it should have gone. It's all right. I'm going to stand in my weakness, and I'm going to stop listening to the lies, and I'm just going to listen to the truth. And the truth is... Greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. His strength is made perfect in weakness. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong. And then you're going to get the revelation that, that, that Saul had, and he's going to start, you're going to start glorying every time that you find yourself in a weak place because you're going to realize that, wait a minute, when I'm weak, then I'm really strong. I'm really strong. It's not me that's going to get me through this. It's God Almighty. Amen? Stand, if you will. Worship team, make your way up. Where the Lord hits me again, I go another 30 minutes. Praise God. I hope that you will be a person that will hear what God's trying to say. And if you'll begin to hear what God's trying to say, you will become the difference you want to see. Are you hearing me? You'll become the difference that you want to see. You'll be the one that God says, okay, the... That anointing is going to come upon you, and you're going to step out in the valley. You're going to start defeating those enemies, not in your strength. You'll never conquer it blow for blow. You'll never conquer the enemy 
by being good enough to go out there to face the enemy. You're going to conquer the enemy by realizing when you feel yourself and you don't, you, you, you come to realize that, wait a minute, wait a minute, it never was me to begin with. It's the grace of God. All God is looking for is faith. Now he puts the grace there. Now, who in this room have ever delivered themselves out of anything? <laughs> you can't be free unless you've been delivered. There's been a takeover. The Lord came to sozo you. Just saving you, he was rescuing you, delivering you. He doesn't just save you, rescue, and deliver you, he brings you to a place of safety. Now you face the enemy, not with yourself, but in the strength of God. I want you to bow your heads tonight. We're gonna close this way, just in just in prayer. But if you're in this house tonight, and you're you're struggling. And you've got to the place where you're just like, man, I am so exhausted. And it's not the truth of God's word that is exhausting you. It's the it's the lies. The lies saying that you have no place. The lies saying that you're not good enough. The lies saying that you're not going to make it can't do it. If that's you tonight, just lift your hand up real quickly, real quickly. Come on, real quickly. Come on. Others, 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 others. Come on. Father, we come before you and everybody that's able. Just lift both hands to the Lord. Father, we surrender tonight. We surrender tonight into your hands, almighty God. Lord, we yield ourselves to the full authority of the living God. And Lord, we will face our giants, Lord God, not in our strength, but in yours. Lord, we will not go after them, Lord, blow for blow, blow for blow, trying to defend every accusation that is brought up against us. But, Lord, we will stand in the strength of God. We will stand in the strength of Almighty God. We will believe, Lord God, that, Lord, your truth is more powerful, Lord God, than any lie of the enemy. Lord God, just like the light is more powerful than the darkness, truth is more powerful than any lie. And Lord, we stand in the truth of your word. Lord, we will not defend ourselves to the liars. We will just stand in truth, Lord God. We will stand in the integrity of your word. We will stand according to as we are covenant people. And we believe, Lord, the enemy wants to make us believe that you're not a God of your word. He calls you a liar. Lord, if he accuses us to you, then he accuses is you to us. And Lord, we just believe right now that the power, Lord God, that we walk in is not our strength and not our might, but it is your spirit, Lord. And Lord, we come against the lies that are defeating the body of Christ. And Lord God, diminishing their energy. And Lord, we step into grace tonight. And Lord, we believe that, Lord God, the enemy will fall by the power of your word. Can somebody agree with me by saying amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I want to lift up as our missionaries, our missionary profile tonight is Keith and Joy Sorbo. Keith and Joy Sorbo. They're missionaries to Indonesia. 
Now, you would think that Indonesia would be predominantly Buddhist country, but according to the 2020 census, Indonesia, the island nation, has 267 million people living in that small island nation. They're 87% Muslim, 7% Protestant, 3% Roman Catholic, 1.5% Hindu, and 1.3% Buddhist. So Keith and Joy Sorbo are there, training leaders, planning churches, and this whitened field that's ready for harvest. Could you agree with me? Before we take up this mission's offering, let's agree together that God will move mightily by His Spirit and that that, that spiritually engrossed country filled with such darkness would begin to see the light of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's begin to pray. Father, in Jesus' holy name, Lord, we just ask you tonight, Lord God, that you would reach down that, Father God, that you would strengthen, Lord God, that, Lord, the missionaries that are in that country, the ministers that are in that country, the Christians that are in that country, Lord, let them not lose heart, Lord God. Lord, they face a big giant, Lord God, of unbelief. But, Lord, by the power and the blood and, Lord God, the witness of your spirit, I pray that you will begin to move. Lord, let there be a revival that breaks out in the islands of Indonesia, Lord God, that, Father, that people on the street will begin to cry out for a living God and that, Lord, they would turn to you. Lord, dispatch angels right now, Lord God, to assist the ministers, Lord, that are there. Let the Word of God begin to infiltrate. Let the persecution, Lord God, against the church stop. Lord, let the voice of your Spirit, Lord God, be heard. And Father, we praise you tonight, Lord God, that Lord, as we sow into the kingdom of God, we believe that there will be fruit, Lord God, to eternal, everlasting life. And Lord, we just pray tonight that you would move in such a mighty way, that you would transform, Father God, this nation for the glory of the kingdom of God. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Appreciate you. The guys are at the back to receive our offering. Remember, if you want to bring any items for the for the gym sale anytime after 10 on Friday, if you want to come out and help, we'll be here at 10. And then also uh, Saturday, we'll be here from 8 o'clock on. So come buy back everything you brought. God bless you. We love you. Have a great rest of the night. Thank you.